I was fourteen years old, sitting in the classroom waiting for class to start. One of the popular boys in the class, Philip, was due to leave town the next week, moving with his parents to a far-off city in the north of England. The others in the cool group were gathered around him, because he was sharing his new address with those who wanted to write to him. I sat a few rows away and also wrote down the address. We hadn't been the closest of friends, but I thought I might want to write. Suddenly, one of the cool kids turned around, pointed at me and said, Look, Halfpint is writing it down. How they laughed. How they laughed at the very idea that their cool friend might want to get a letter from me. Or even more hilarious, that he might want to write back. My face suffused with red shame, and I quietly put my pen and paper away. How foolish of me. How awkward and silly and embarrassing for me to dare count myself among his friends. I didn't show much expression, but inside I was crushed. I realised that Halfpint did not belong in this circle. That nickname was given to me because of my diminutive size. My body took a time out from growing at age 10 and didn't start up again until I was 13, and was just one of many that they used. Suffice it to say, I got the message. What was clearly reflected back to me was that I didn't belong. I had a social status, but it was far below that of these cool ones. I don't make it a habit to watch scary films, but from my childhood I think I remember more than one with a plot along these lines. A couple become stranded as their car runs out of fuel on a lonely forest road. They seek shelter at a gothic mansion, where the door is opened by an old, old man who is willing to let them stay there for the night. As they make their way up the stairs to their room, the man issues a dire warning. Just one thing I ask. Whatever you do, do not go into the West Wing. There are things there. He never completes his sentence, his utterance seeming to have tired him. He waves his arm twice towards the stairway in dismissal and wanders down a dark corridor to his own room. With trepidation, the couple ascends the stairs, finds their rooms and prepare for bed, though neither feels particularly sleepy after the dire warning. And you, dear reader, know how the story continues. Foolishly, they do not heed the old man's advice. They hear noises and wander off to investigate the source, ending up in the West Wing, where they discover the old man's hideously deformed relative, whom he keeps hidden from the world. They run and trip as the drooling maniac stumbles toward them, his zombie-like gait never slowing. You get the picture. The message of this book is simply this. You are not the hideously deformed relative in the house that needs to be hidden away. You are not the one who slipped in, hoping your entrance wouldn't get noticed while all the good people were being admitted. You are not the sum of the opinions, judgments, criticisms, sarcasm, looks and comments of others. You are not the sum of your parents, your education, your job, society or any other source. For most of us, our self-image is like what we see when we walk through a hall of mirrors. At every turn, a different version of ourselves is reflected back to us, thinner, fatter, distorted. In a carnival, it's funny. In life, it is tragic. We find ourselves compromised in our ability to love ourselves and to love others. How many of us suffer in our relationships, in our view of ourselves and our potential, because we've been presented with a distorted image?